Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. I'm going to use the Passion Bible tonight. I've been reading and studying in it. We're studying the subject of divine health, divine healing. And always remember that healing isn't God's best. Divine health is. But sometimes you've got to fight to get into a place of healing. To be healed in your physical body. And so much in the world fights against our bodies, our very environment that we live in, food that we eat. You know, I I really don't listen to stuff anymore when they talk about, you know, pollution and water we drink and all this kind of stuff. It just doesn't do you any good because all it's going to do is create fear. Amen? That's all it's going to do is create fear. You know, let me just, just help with that for a minute. The Bible says we sanctify our food with the Word of God in prayer. The Apostle Paul wrote that to to the New Testament church. That's why we pray over our food. You say, what do you mean? Well, that that food, that same plate of food that you sit down and eat, that may have a super negative effect on somebody that may be uh, not serving God, will will not have that effect on you because it's sanctified by the Word of God in prayer. Amen. So we've got to realize that God's given us provision. He knows the time in which we live. But now, here's something that I want to emphasize tonight. The Bible says it's a merry heart that doeth good like a medicine over in Proverbs. And one of the things that the enemy's trying to do to believers or tries to do to believers is to steal their walk of joy. To keep us from being the joyful uh, men and women that God's called us to be. God wants you to be full of joy. Now, several times the Lord Jesus talked about answered prayer that God desires to answer your prayer so your joy may be full. He gets, the Bible says, he gets pleasure out of the prosperity of his servants. So he likes for you to prosper financially. He likes for you to prosper in your marriage. He likes for you to prosper in your, uh, in your health. And everything that, 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 that we do, he likes us to prosper. Now, one of the things that keeps believers out of the realm of joy and keeps them suppressed is sin. Now, when I say sin, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, 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 doing drugs, drinking alcohol, uh, you know, living some perverse lifestyle. I'm talking about that which is unique to the believers. And many times we don't even know what's unique to the believers because we hadn't studied the subject in the New Testament. Amen. Now, in the Old Testament, they had a bunch of laws, a bunch of thou shalt nots. Not just 10 of them. There was 236, 36 or 38 uh, uh, laws, what they call laws of Moses. Now, those laws of Moses, what they did is they defined sin as far as God was concerned. Had to do with their diet, had to do with marital relations, had to do with how you treated one another. There was all types of laws. Then it had a lot to do also with their approach to God. How they were to sacrifice, what words they were to use, how they were to bring offerings, all types of things. But thank God Christ has redeemed us from the curse of that law. That cur- the, the curse of that law was that it revealed how bad we were and there wasn't anything we can do about it. That's pretty bad, isn't it? But thank God we've been redeemed. Everybody say redeemed. That means that curse of sin is broken and the sin nature what was u- that was unique to all of us before we got born again is gone. Amen. So we don't have that nature in us anymore. Let me just say this. It's not your nature to sin. 
But you've got to understand what sin is. Actually, the word sin many times used in the New Testament is not the word sin, S-I-N. It's a word in the Greek which literally means to miss the mark. Everybody say miss the mark. Well, we don't want to miss the mark, amen. Now, two scriptures I want to read. Romans 15. Um, let me make sure it's the right one. Romans 15, verse, let me see it here, verse 21. It says, but the one who has misgivings feels miserable if he eats meat because he doubts and doesn't eat in faith. For anything we do that doesn't spring from faith is by definition sinful. Now, the meat there that they're talking about, there's a big controversy in the Corinthian church. They had a temple to the goddess Diana in Corinth that was a very wicked, wicked place. I mean, it was a, a base we, best we could describe it, it was a, a house of immorality is what it was. But in that particular temple, people would bring and sacrifice offerings to that demon god. And they would take those offerings and they would offer part of it, burn it up, trying to imitate what, what the Jewish covenant was doing with God. But then they would take the other part and they would literally butcher it and give it to the priest. And when they gave it to the priest, it went up for sale publicly. So the controversy was, if I go down and eat that meat that was offered up to that demon God, is that a sin for me if I go down and buy it? Well, some said it was, some said it wasn't. Amen. But this is what Paul wrote to them. He said, meat's not the issue. The issue is your faith. So whatever doesn't spring forth from faith is sinful. That means everything we do in the kingdom of God, we need to do by faith. And sometimes I think we just take it for granted. We come to church by faith. We praise and worship by faith. We give by faith. We teach the word by faith. We send you out into your life and lifestyles by faith. Believe in God, you'll come back again by faith. Amen. So everything we do ought to spring from faith. You ought to get up in the morning. You ought to go to your job. You ought to, you ought to do what you do during the day. You ought to do it all by faith. You say, what does that mean to do it by faith? You do it trusting in God that what you do will be the best that you can do it in Christ and that in you doing it will show forth the very nature of God. Now see, just the opposite is, is true of the world. Everything they do, they show forth what? The sin nature. Amen? I mean, I remember working in the, in, in the workforce and in the world and, <laughs> and I remember, you know, how crazy people were back then. I guess they still are. I mean, it's amazing how good people would work when the boss was around and how, how uh, you know, how lazy they got when he wasn't around. Amen? Well, see that right there. The Bible talks about work, the jobs that we do, that we ought to be working not unto our boss, but unto the Lord. So if you fall into that pattern, quit doing that. That's sin to you. Amen? Now, the book of James, James chapter 4. Now, this is one that we need to really watch out for. James chapter 4, verse 17, it says, So if you know of an opportunity to do the right thing today, yet you refrain from doing it, you're guilty of sin. Now that one right there, we don't want to take the liberty of the Word of God and turn it into a law. But if you know to do right and don't do it, that's sin for you. So people say, well, can you define that? Well, it's whatever your convictions are. 
I have convictions. You should have convictions. We all should have convictions of what's right or wrong. Listen, my, my convictions are, you know, I come to church. That's the right thing to do. My convictions are I'm the pastor, so I have to prepare uh, words, messages to be spoken. I have to uh, uh, come up with plans for the church. Everything that it takes to be a pastor and to pastor, I have to do that. For me not to do that is sin. Out in the world, I was talking about this morning, being a witness everywhere I go of, of fishing guides, hunting guides. Well, that's, that's no special calling, really. That's just being a witness because that's doing right. Anytime I have an opportunity to witness, sometimes it's been very awkward. Sometimes I didn't even initiate it. It was initiated by other people. But I always enter in to any open door to proclaim the gospel. Some of you have people that you work with. You've, you've talked to them about the Lord. You've, you've witnessed to them. Listen, that's good. That's a good thing. You're supposed to do that. Amen. To pray. Everybody say to pray. To study the Word. To give. All of these things. If we know to do good and we do not do good, it is sin unto us. What did it say about Jesus? He went about doing good, so he was doing good stuff. You know, I wish, well, I wish we had it documented, uh, but we get to heaven, we'll find out. John the, uh, John the Revelator said in the book of John, if all the things that Jesus did were written down in books, the world itself could not contain them. I'd like to know all those good things. You know, we got the miracles and the signs and the world. I'd like to know all those good things because it says he went about doing good and healing all that were So it wasn't just his healing ministry. It was everything, he, everything else he did that was good. Well, I know one thing he did that was good. He revealed the Father. He revealed the Father unto the world. And everybody saw that God was a good God. Now, over the book of John, let me begin in chapter 1. Uh, how can we do this? Uh, let's begin in verse 6. 1 John, not the Gospel of John, but 1 John. It says, if we claim that we share life with Him, verse 6, but we keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds Him, now notice this, we share unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, continually cleanses us from all sin. Now this is speaking of not we as an individual, but us as a church. Everybody say us. That's why fellowship with God through your participation in a church is so important. You say, why, why would you say that, Pastor? Because you can judge your fellowship with God based on your fellowship in a church. Now I don't judge it. Amen. You have to judge it. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, if you're apathetic, complacent, well, you know, I go to church sometimes. Other times it really doesn't mean any, you know, it really doesn't make any difference to me one way or another. It does to God. That fellowship we have one with another, did you know what that produces? When we come together, who's in our midst? Jesus is. What are we called? The body of Christ. That means the church is Jesus. And every time we come together, Jesus is right here. Amen. Don't you think that's what God wants? Don't you know that the source of your great joy, whether you recognize this or not, is the fellowship that you have one with another within the body of Christ? 
Fellowship with the pastor when I get up and teach and preach. Fellowship with one, one another as you work in the different ministries of the church. Fellowship out in the mission field. Listen, that produces great joy in our lives. No wonder people are so joyless. I remember the first time we went to Ireland. I'll never forget this. I mean, we found people so depressed. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about Christians. Incredibly depressed. The nation itself was depressed. There was massive alcoholism, massive uh, 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 depression. The, the west of Ireland was, was, was just dotted with uh, mental institutions. The people, they were full to the rim of people that had lost hope. There was no joy whatsoever. I went over there for the first two or three years. I felt like I was a stand-up comedian. I'd get up, and next thing you know, I'd be telling a joke. I, what I did is I took all the Aggie jokes I knew, and I converted them into Irish jokes. Now, at first, it, at first, they didn't know what to think about that. I got up, I remember the first time I did it, I got up and said, you know what? I said, an amazing thing has happened in Ireland. I said, you know, the Ireland has decided that they're going into the space business. They've created a space program. And Ireland has decided to be the first nation on the earth to put a man on the sun. And everybody's kind of going. And I said, they figured out how to do it without burning up. And everybody's like, they didn't know it was a joke yet. I said, they're going to go at night. And you could hear a slight pause, then a little chuckle over here, and a little chuckle over there. And people weren't quite sure if they'd been insulted. They didn't know what to, and finally they got it. And I started laughing. And even when we were privately with people, we would laugh and we would cut up and we had such joy. And you know, that joy got into that nation. That joy got into that move of God over there because I want you to know a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And listen, when your righteousness is restrained because of sin, you can't have joy. But if you obey God and walk in the righteousness that He's given you, then you have joy. Amen. Now notice this. It says... Uh, if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds Him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, continually cleanses us from all sin. If we boast that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and are strangers to the truth. But if we freely admit our sins, when His light uncovers them, He will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive our sins because of Christ and He will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we're not guilty of sin, when God uncovers it with His light, then we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. You are my dear children, and I write these things to you so that you won't sin. But if anyone does sin, we continually have a forgiving Redeemer who is face to face with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. The, the, the King James says the perpetuation for our sins, which literally means, I like this, it literally means the Redeemer who ends the curse. He missed a good opportunity to shout. He is the Redeemer who, well, that curse may be sickness. I'm telling you, sickness and disease is a curse. Look at what's going on with this crazy virus over there in, uh, in Asia. They're talking about all the people that have died, all the people that have, and it seems to be getting worse. And That's a curse. Thank God we don't have to receive that curse in Jesus' name. Now, a couple of benefits real quick. Let me get back over here to my notes. Number one, 
These are the joys of unbroken fellowship. That's why you should watch and judge yourself according as it says in the communion revelation in 1 Corinthians. We'll look at that in just a moment. And this is why you ought to watch out and make sure you're doing all you know to do to walk and live in righteousness. Not in some legalistic way. Not making up a bunch of rules and regulations. But just following the Word of God and the Spirit of God into the righteousness God has given us in Christ Jesus. That way your joy is full. You have joy. You have peace. No matter what you're going through, it doesn't matter what's happening in your life. You have that, that bubbling up inward joy. I like what one preacher said. He said you have, you have uh, 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 the throttle on joy is full open and you're flying downhill, uh, uh, down the tracks on a downhill grade. Did you get that? Amen. I'm not going to try to say it again. It's hard to remember. Number one. The fruits of righteousness which are enjoyed when fellowship is restored. Number one, you are able to be an able transmitter and demonstrator of the gospel. That means there's a boldness in you to lay hands on the sick. A boldness in you to witness. A boldness in you to stand for righteousness and the things of Christ. You know, many times when, you're, when, when the devil's trying to condemn you and bring guilt upon your life, there's kind of a, t- uh, you, you have, you know, that, that timid how can I say it? You're kind of apathetic or timid when it comes to actually being bold with the things of God. That's why God uh, spoke to us uh, through Paul and he said it to Timothy. God's not given us a spirit of fear. That word is uh, timidity. I mean, timid or shy. Amen. I've got some teaching on being shy. It's, it's based in pride. So I'm just, I'm just a shy person. That's pride. God wants you full of joy. Wants everybody to see it. Amen. Secondly, the heart remains fertile soil for the faith process to reproduce His blessings in your life. That means when the Word is taught, your ears are open for revelation. The planting of the Word of God can take place. Faith can rise up in you and appropriate that which you're believing God for. That comes from unbroken fellowship. And that helps you to retain the joy that God has put in your heart. Oh, I like this one. The attributes of redemption become your identity. You say, what do you mean by that? You know that you're a new creature. People say, uh, uh, what race are you? You say, what race am I? I'm a new creature. What race is that? Amen. I call it the red race. I mean, part of the red race. That's the blood washed race. Amen. Blood of Jesus. Your identity also is connected to your healing. Now listen, I wrote it in a little bit more detail there, and I don't want to try to say it all, but this will help you. It will help you to make the transition from trying to get God to do something that He's made you. Now let me say that again. It'll help you make the transition. Oh Lord, heal me. Heal me, Lord. Heal me. No, you get over here and you say, Father, I thank you. I've been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. Healing is not something I'm trying to wrench from your hands. Healing is what healed is what you've made me in Christ. I'm the healed of God. Now, not only healed, you're prosperous, you're delivered, you're righteous, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. That comes from that unbroken fellowship. Amen. The joy life is maintained. Okay. 
When one is brought into true fellowship, Satan will do everything you will let him do to create and carry out drama that eventually ends in broken fellowship. Now let me read that again. When one is brought into true fellowship, Satan does everything you will let him do to create and carry out drama or dramas that eventually ends in broken fellowship. Now, this is why we need to grow up in Christ. I've had people in my office screaming at me. Not just one or two, several. I've had other people just, just, I mean, I never saw anger on that level in the world as I've seen in the body of Christ. Mad, upset, blaming, saying all kinds of crazy things. Amazes me. Now I know, see you got to know yourself. I know I'm not a person that is offended. I made a decision years ago that I cannot be offended. Which puts me in another category. You say, what do you mean? What other category is that? I'm the one that ends up offending everybody. (laughs) Pastors are an easy mark, amen? And I guarantee you'll find more people that are just offended, feel like they've been victimized, violated, or caused to stumble or fall by some preacher or pastor somewhere. Amen? Now, the reason that is, is because your adversary, the devil, all those attributes of the joy walk and unbroken fellowship, which also mean the healing power of God in your life, the enemy knows if he can get you into a drama, into a situation, into a circumstance, in which you you feel offended, you feel violated, you feel victimized, you're caused to stumble or fall, that he knows you will break fellowship. Amen? And he knows when you break fellowship, you open a door. You open a door. And that's when the enemy can come in and begin to destroy your life financially, destroy your life physically, and literally steal the joy of God from your life. Amen? You know, there's something about living for God, walking in fellowship one with another, walking in divine health, manifesting the fruits of righteousness in your life that gives you a life that's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, at our house, I'll close with this because we need to receive communion. We laugh a lot. And many times we laugh the most when we have nothing to laugh about. Amen. African gray parrots, according to the National Geographic study that they did, you can go look this up on the internet, are the smartest animals in the world. They're smarter than whales. They're smarter than dolphins. They're smarter smarter than Arnold the pig. Does anybody remember Arnold the pig? How many remember Arnold the pig? Raise your hands up. Oh, praise God. Green Acres. Remember Arnold the pig? He could do anything. So, one of the things they do is they, they, you imprint upon them sound. They actually have the ability to have over a 2,000 word vocabulary. Now, you know when they're, when, they're, when they're being programmed because you can watch their eyes and their eyes is called ping. Their eyes will ping. They'll go boop, zip, zip. And you know that they're receiving information and they're gonna, that's going to imprint on their mind and they're going to repeat that back. 
So what our bird, Snoopy, does more than any other word he says or no, what, no more than any other phrase he speaks, he laughs. And he laughs. And he laughs. And, and I think God uses it. Huh? Leah says, I agree. Because sometimes at the most serious moment of something going on at our house, Snoopy will go, ha, 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 ha. Amen. He said, what point are you trying to make? It's easy to maintain joy when you're not in sin. The Bible says Jesus is the propitiation. Amen. The one that redeemed us from the curse for all of our sin. And he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means he's going to restore us to righteousness. Now, understand that the sin nature the iniquity of your heart is not there anymore. But it had trained your mind and your flesh for all the years you were alive until you got born again. And that training of your mind and flesh produces those two that we just read. You don't do what you're supposed to do or you're not walking in faith, which is sin. And the thing to do is to obey the Scripture. Confess it to the Lord. Say, Lord, forgive me. I've missed the mark. Everybody say, missed the mark. And then, literally, you have to trust God. What we were talking about this morning? You have to trust God that the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from all sin and all unrighteousness. I heard a story the other day. A preacher told, he said he was in a meeting. They gave an altar call, kind of like what we do, people to get saved and people to be restored to fellowship. So a lady had gotten mad at her husband. Her husband was not saved yet. And he really wasn't an alcoholic, but he, he, he would drink, go out and drink on Saturday night. He'd go out and have a couple of drinks. So on a particular Saturday night, he went out and he had a couple of drinks and he came home and he acted like he was drunk. He wasn't drunk, but he acted like it, which enraged her. She got mad at him, said some things she shouldn't have said. Then he said, you know, told her, well, I, I'm not really drunk. That even enraged her more. <laughs> that made her even madder, amen? So, you know, the next day at church, she was under this great weight of conviction, this great weight of condemnation that the enemy was trying to put on her. So she walked up to get in fellowship with God, so they went down the aisle and uh, they prayed a, 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 a corporate prayer for everybody standing there. People began to filter back to their seat. This woman stayed at the altar just crying, weeping, crying. This pastor had real compassion. So he walked up to her and he said, what's wrong? Didn't you believe what we just prayed? She said, yeah, I did. But I'm crying out to God to give me a feeling so that I'll know that I'm cleansed. The pastor just looked at her and said, if you can't take it by faith, then you're back into sin again. See, many times we look for feelings, we look for signs, kind of like Gideon want to put out a fleece. No, this is where faith works. When you confess your sin to him, you've got to believe that he is faithful to forgive you and cleanse you from all sin and all unrighteousness. Amen? Praise God. Gentlemen, you can come and begin to uh, pass out the communion implements tonight. Don't you love the Lord this evening? Everybody, as they're coming, I want everybody to lift their hands up. Say, Heavenly Father, turn your light on my life. And anything in my life that's in darkness, I ask your forgiveness believing I receive the cleansing ability 
of the blood of Jesus right now. I am in fellowship with God. I am in fellowship with my brothers and sisters. I am in fellowship with the Word and in fellowship with the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. The fruits of righteousness manifest in my life. I live a life of joy, of joy unspeakable and full of glory. I am quick to witness, quick to minister, bold in the Lord, strong in the Lord, and the power of His might. I thank you, Lord. In my physical body, because I am cleansed, I am also healed. Thank you for your healing power, working mightily in my physical body. The effects of sickness or disease cannot linger in me. I believe I receive healing from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. For I am, for I am, for I am the healed of God in Jesus' name. Now rejoice and thank you. Hallelujah. Oh, we rejoice. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's a story of a full gospel businessman. He was diagnosed with cancer. Actually got a very negative report. Said, you know, not much they could do, even treatment, things like that wouldn't work. Just, you know, doctor kind of said, go home, prepare yourself to die. He took his Bible and he went down. This is back in the days. What were the big, the big uh, VHS? Is that what they called them? The big uh, VHS uh, tapes? Anyway, whatever they were. He went down and got a big uh, stack of Three Stooges shows. Remember the Three Stooges? Mo, Larry, and, and Curly. And Joe, there was Joe, yeah, I remember. I know there were several of them. Anyway, he would take the Bible, read healing scriptures, pray in the Spirit, and then watch a tape. Watch, I think there were four or five shows. And he said he would laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. He said he walked out of there. When he walked out of there, he knew he was healed. Why? Because a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Amen. Pastor Paul Chase, he cut his cut his leg on his motorcycle three, four years ago. Couldn't, couldn't fulfill his obligations to go out and minister. So I flew over to Florida to spend three days with him. And I brought a big old uh, thing of, I had some hunting videos, some fishing videos, but I brought some of those first Beverly Hillbilly shows. I didn't realize how funny they were. We spent some time praying and fellowship and talking about the Word. Then we put those, we put those Three Stooges videos on. And I'm telling you, we laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. And that joy got on us. And we had, a, we had such fellowship in that joy. It was just awesome. He said, well, you're watching the Beverly Hillbillies. No, that might have that lit the fuse, but it wasn't, it wasn't what blew up on the inside of us. It was that sweet fellowship, one with another, with the body of Christ, with God, our Heavenly Father. Amen? Praise God. How are we doing, guys? If you've not received the bread or the cup, raise your hand real quick. Anybody at all? In the, on the back row there, fellas. On the back row. Praise God. You got them? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me love the Word of God. Praise God. Frank, you get served? Okay. 
Got to make sure the piano player gets taken care of. How we doing? We good? Glory to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. For I have, no, not verse 23. Yeah, verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, everybody say the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he'd given thanks, he'd break it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken. I like these two words, for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he also took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink of this cup, or cup of the Lord, unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man or a woman examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep or die prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Now, first of all, understand a little bit of the historical background. The communion service had turned into something very ugly. It had turned into a, a, a feast, a type of a feast, where as you came into the church, those that were wealthy and gave a lot and, and were active and known in the community, they were given a, a place of honor to sit. And, all, and then just the common people were kind of just pushed to the back. And it was an unworthy manner of celebrating communion. In communion, there's great parity. I'd like to say it like this. The greatest equality on earth can be found in a communion service. Because we're all seen through the eyes of God, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. There could be a missionary that's been on the mission field for 50 years, and there could be somebody that just got saved this morning. And God sees us all as one in the body of Christ. I mean, it's, it's, it's a powerful thing to understand that. So Paul is making correction. Book of First and Second Corinthians both are books of correction. So he's making a correction, and he's saying, now listen, you cannot receive this in an unworthy manner. Don't make light of it. It's something very holy. It's something very sanctified. It's something very important to understand that we are entering into a ritual, which we call the, an ordinance of the church, and we're doing it to put ourselves in remembrance of what Jesus did in His suffering here on the earth. It is literally the fellowship of His suffering. On the cross he was bruised. On the cross he was wounded. On the cross he shed his blood seven times. And once in heaven he offered it upon the mercy seat of God. That's suffering. I said that's suffering. Unbeknownst to us, he suffered in a way no human being ever could. Because he was God manifest in the flesh. He took on things we could never take on. He took all the sin, all the iniquity, and all the sickness of the entire world. That's why just like whosoever would call on the name of the Lord would be saved, whosoever can call on the name of the Lord to be healed. 
Amen. Take the bread in your hand. Heavenly Father, according to your word, an atmosphere of holiness, sanctity. Tonight we lift the bread in honor of you, Lord Jesus. Break it. And we do remember the way your body was broken and bruised. We know you didn't do it for God. You didn't do it for heaven. You didn't do it for angels. You did it for us, fallen humanity, so that we could be restored to favor with a loving Heavenly Father. So in great honor of the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work we receive of the bread tonight. And Jesus is your blood. As it began to be shed there in the garden, it was shed when they placed the crown of thorns upon your head. It was shed when they striped your back with the cat of nine tails. It was shed inwardly when they bruised you. It was shed when they put the nails in your hand, nails in your feet. And that final time, the spear was placed in your side. And the Bible says, came forth blood and water. How powerful that is. How holy that is. We reverence you, Lord Jesus, for offering your blood the purchase price of the church, our sins being remitted, us being new creatures in Christ. Lord, we could go on and on. The accolades that come forth from your body in praise and worship of what you've done with your blood. And today, as we lift the cup to heaven and worship you for the blood of Jesus, we recognize it's still on the mercy seat, crying out for our salvation, our healing. We receive of the cup in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now lift your hands. Father, we worship you. Just take a moment now and worship the Lord. Take a moment and worship God. Thank Him for His goodness. Thank Him for His healing power. Thank Him that from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, you are the healed of God. No matter what your body tells you, no matter what tests tell you, no matter what your medicine cabinet tells you, no matter what your doctor tells you, you are the healed of God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. And we walk in that in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.